spice? I don't think so. I don't think there's oh. anything really nuts going on to talk about. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would talk about spicy stuff, but there's nothing going on right now. All right. <laughs> it's lame. No one's going to listen, man. All right. Practical Shooting After Dark, welcome. We're here to talk about shooting on deck tonight. Mr. Hopkins. Hello, everybody. Mr. Kim. Uh, and Mr. Park. Hello. You got a bang up podcast for us, plan, Mr. Joel? Aren't they all? <laughs> they are amazing. Anyway, let's get started. Who's got a fun topic they want to talk about? Mr. Matt, you got something good? Tell me. I have to go first. Have someone else. All right, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Park, you go first. Oh, the runner up. Great. Runner up. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, well, I guess I had my maybe first actual like productive live fire training event or training session of the year today. So I think it's kind of interesting. Maybe maybe worth talking about. So the cast is uh, there's four of us today that went. It was like uh, well, it was like snowing last week. It got up to I don't know like sixty or something. Today. It was actually quite nice. So anyway, there's like four of us to go. We've got an A class an M class, uh, a top 10 at nationals guy and me. So, you know, all, everybody's like pretty solid at shooting. Uh, Kenny, it was me, Kenny, Lane, Jeff. Anyway, so Kenny and I get to the range first. Everyone else is too slow. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm picking the drill. And I pick professors track the A zone drill uh, for uh, a few reasons. So I've been dry firing daily and I wanted a drill that doesn't like, I don't want to do, I want an example would be four aces or build drill. I don't want to do a drill that's like super strict on just one specific like skill or something super hard. I just want like not the track the A's one's not hard, but it, I picked it because it combines a bunch of different aspects of shooting. So I've got, you know, you obviously have some marksmanship fundamentals. You have a tracking component. You're trying to separate your upper body from your lower body. There's a lot going on with the drill. So anyway, uh, I was like, hey, if you guys haven't shot the drill. This is what we're doing for right now. And uh, then we all just kind of took turns going through the drill. And I've been dry firing daily for I don't know, a month, something like that. So I'm like dry firing and I'm feeling fairly tuned up, but I'm not trying to set a high personal best on the drill at all. I was just kind of shooting and observing what happens. What was good? What was bad? What should I work on? What should I take back to my dry training? And like, yeah, it's some mistakes, you know, like, oh, I, maybe drag off one or whatever, drag on a target, whatever it is. I'm like, yeah, it's kind of page. It's like, okay, yeah, I thought that might be happening. I'll take that back to dry fire. But anyway, that was just, for me, that was like, that was what I wanted to do today. Just kind of observing what was going on. I didn't get too upset. I'm not going to spike magazines or anything, just kind of paying attention to what's happening. And that'll give me direction to take back to dry fire. So anyway, after, after that, uh, Lane picked like a distance change up. So we did that a little bit. We did a little bit of like an El Prez uh, Blake drill. So anyway, it was, just, it was just kind of a fun day. I didn't have any serious goals other than just validating kind of how my dry fire has been going. And then what I, you know, specifically want to take back, you know, to my training. Mr. Joel, how, how much would you say you needed to get acclimated to shooting again with live ammo? Not a ton, honestly. Within less than 50 rounds, like it was pretty good to go and how long since you've shot seriously seriously trained yeah uh, it's probably been november 
Yeah, I mean, it's too cold. So. Maybe October. Yeah, I haven't shot a match or anything. Uh, I had a private lesson. Right? I shot just a little bit the day before, but I'm not, not really training super hard, no. And then all it does is just kind of like, hey, well, I guess I'm patting myself on the back. Like, vision was spot on. I was, like, super happy with myself because I've been working on that super hard and dry training. Like, look at a spot, bring the bring the sights of the dot to the spot. I'm still playing around with my Glocks for a bit. I'll switch to Tanfos shortly. But anyway, like, look at a spot, bring the dot to where I'm looking, keep my vision on the target until I'm done shooting. Uh, I know, knowing me, if I start pushing down, I'm, like, trying to go faster. I'm going to want to push into that, that Glock a little bit. It's like, hey hey, dummy, don't push into it with your firing hand. And kind of I knew what potentially could happen, so I just, like, the first couple run. well, the first, I don't know, maybe three times I went through the drill or twice I went through the drill, I didn't try to make anything special happen. I just shot, like, this. my second turn through the drill, I shot maybe four strings, and I had maybe one or two Cs on each target. But I wasn't really pushing that hard. I wasn't, like, I was not trying to do anything magical. It was just, like, like demo pace that I would do in front of a class for don't do anything dumb. And then after I do that, I'm like, all right, let's let's see what can happen. I start hammering down, trying to split harder, trying to move more aggressively, and then, you know, just see what what where the wheels fall off, and then that'll be stuff to take back to training. I like the drill because Trek the A zone. Uh, a lot of people like you know send me their footage of Trek the A zone. Uh, of course, depends on where your skill set is. Like you can mimic the times. And you can shoot efficiently on the video, but on the target, what really makes the shooting part done is the hand-eye coordination. So track the A zone, yes, is a good drill to learn efficiency, but it is what's completing the drill is the hand-eye coordination part to be able to yeah shoot like a Charlie or two or all alpha like really high accuracy. Hand-eye coordination is one of the most uh, fruit fruit in the drill yeah that's why i picked it's well training group members will be familiar with the drill or if not you can search that search the drill we've got you know kim doing a video and explaining it we've got diagrams and stuff but anyway it's really fun because it combines so many different things it's a good way to i think assess kind of where you're at and it's i mean honestly it's a super tough drill <laughs> which is fun yeah uh ben i'm curious if you if you haven't dry fired or haven't haven't live fired trained seriously how many rounds does it take you to feel like you're back up to speed? Um, it used to be it'd take like a couple weeks after the winter, and now it's like the winter doesn't exist. Honestly. I mean, I shoot enough during the winter that, you know, I don't I don't feel like I lose acclimation. Um, do you think so that you're still doing the dry training? So dry training is what's keeping you I think so. Up to speed yeah. somewhat. Is that fair? Yeah. Like, that's where I really fall down. Like, I, I'm actually, this will be a training group video. Eventually, I'm going to probably make fun of myself, but uh, I'll be putting out a video with my stock two dry fire. I mean, I have not used that gun in a, in a few months. I've been using something completely different mm -hmm. and bouncing between guns. And I want to see how my reloads are on my production rig, which I imagine wow. they're going to be terrible. <laughs> That'll be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Well, I don't know. Like I said, I guess like dry firing enough uh, where I've been like, I understand like how the gun feels, loading the gun, like gripping the gun properly, all that stuff. And kind of due to prior training, I'm like, hey, dummy, like make sure you hang on to the gun hard because if you don't, 
it's going to like start flipping on your hands when you're when you're shooting live ammo or whatever. And then when I was shooting live ammo, like yeah, I suppose a little bit, but it wasn't. It didn't feel that foreign at all. Like I was, like I wasn't going to drop the gun or it was going to fly out of my hands. Anyway. Yeah. Well, all right, Mr. Kim. Mm -hmm. I have a shooting topic too. Yes, tell me so, more. So, for uh, as we are recording this, uh, if you live in the U.S. side or anywhere, you have a time zone change. So typically, the time zone change is in the uh, beginning or middle of the March month. And usually that's like the time where my training changes. So typically when nationals is over to up to March, when the time zone, you know, like dark, it gets dark really soon and also the temperature is cold. So during those months, I'm more into experiment, experimentational phase and maybe perhaps shooting different guns, different ammo kind of thing. And then a lot of the drills I shoot are done in uh, low ready, high ready, because in the cold weather, I don't want to, you know, use the belt kind of thing. So in, in that manner, my gun handling kind of deteriorates because I'm not doing actively draw or reload a lot or a lot of uh, presentation that's from, you know, reloading position or position entry kind of thing. So now this is where I start to do more master focus, mastery focus training rather than experimentational focus training and also this is where i kind of fix my gear meaning I'm, I'm shooting one gun one ammo for what i'm going to be shooting at the nationals so it's kind of goofing around the experimentation is what i'm doing in the winter time if i say it that way uh, now is a time to change up some drills and also how i how i think about my shooting so instead of trying to like bump up my technical skill right now is to uh, master. So we're talking about some repetition, of course. So a lot of gun handling stuff and now more repetitive drills like go stop or designated target rather than in the winter time. I was doing a lot of recoil confirmation drills, step back drill, those kind of things where uh, you shoot one target, right? So in this kind of case, there's no not much visualization component either. So this is a time where I start doing more uh, different techniques I didn't really cover during the winter time and also start bringing visualization to my training even more. Because if it's like uh, one target drill typically, yeah, I still do somewhat visualization, but it's extremely short and there's no memorization component either. So, for example, designated target drill is pretty complex. Uh, people who don't know that drill is basically, uh, let's say there's six targets set up. You pick one target, you shoot that, go to the next one, come back, go to the one after, come back, go to the one after, come back. So there's a lot of different scenarios, different angles of transition, things like that. So now in terms of that, I need to program my vision. I need to pick spots, if, especially on the partial targets. I need to pre-pick those spots so those kind of visualization phase is now uh gonna happen during my training and also uh kind of mentioned the gear as well uh i just loaded my first batch of nationals ammo i don't let myself load my match ammo or especially major match ammo like a month before i to be honest in my opinion even a month before a major match i mean nationals let's say uh, i think it's a little late so I'm already fixed with my load data. I chronoed. Uh, 
but one thing I'm careful with is I selected a non-temperature sensitive, so type group is what I'm using, so that Chrono now is also the same uh, in the summertime. So now I'm going through some testing. Uh, I posted a video on a training group about mechanical accuracy as well. So I have a couple steps to check uh, my ammunition. Of course, uh, I need to first mechanical accuracy check. So I do like bench, bench uh, rest shooting and make sure the ammo can shoot under two inch group because uh, I, I'm not 100% sure yet if the war shoot is still happening, but matches like war shoot will definitely have some far shots. So having two inch group is definitely, I think is pretty much a requirement. And also for carry optic shooters, what I do is I also, uh, I recently changed the gun to PDP from steel frame uh, Walther PPQ. So what I do is I have a couple batch of 22 rounder magazine and 23 rounder magazine. And if you're running 23 rounder magazine, the first shot is pretty sticky because of the magazine tension so much. So what I do with the match ammo is I load it up to 23 plus one and then fire the first shot, make sure it cycles. Uh, those kind of gear check. And then for now, from this point, I'm not changing anything really. Uh, unless Walther comes out with a magical uh, trigger or magical, I don't know, spring, <laughs> right? Recoil yeah. spring changes the game, right? Right, of course. You smell like a recoil course. spring. Yeah, it's about that 11 pounds or 13 pounds, whatever. It's the only spring that matters, guys. Mm -hmm. Obviously. Well, I like a hammer spring really light. So that way you get those light hits better. I use federal primers only. That's really important, too. Yeah. If you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then somewhere around July... August, that's when I changed my training one more time. Uh, for I separated into three different groups over the year. So experimentational focus and mastery focus and execution focus. So execution focus is more randomized stuff. So so to say, it's more like a stage-like. Uh, PSTG members know the situational training. Th that can be definitely one of the training that I'll be start doing in the summertime. Yeah. I think that's the good way to break uh, break it uh, into years. So sometimes I didn't break it down to parts and then I was so stuck on one place and I was stubborn to move on to the next step, so to say. So by breaking it down, even if you are not really satisfied on like experimentational phase, so to say, you have to move on uh, so that you can prepare for the bigger match. I like it. Uh, and training group members, if you want to know about like the experimental phase or uh, just kind of how to train or study sessions, all that stuff yep. just happens to be on training group. Tons mm -hmm. of nerd stuff from the professor, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. Everybody's oh. like, oh, it's pretty nerdy. And then you watch it like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I should be doing that. Or, oh, I guess I do do that. Or oh, you listen I should to this guy's that. ammo testing process. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. You know, the person's going to be really interested in ammo testing is like the person that's like, Pop, pop, bang, pop. And then, uh, like, then it's like, poop. And you're like, oh, never mind. That was a squib. Yeah. We've all seen those yeah. people. Like, nobody cares. It's not a problem until it's a problem, right? Yep. Just saying. All right. Who's up next? Matt? I'll go, I guess. Cool. So my topic today is going to be on volunteerism. Some might think this might be a little spicy, but it's not. So, um, 
our local club just completed a work day and we had the biggest turnout that we've ever had at it. Okay. Did I see that your so, range got flooded out or something? No, no, no. It wasn't. Was that Caleb was posting something about a. Oh, I think they had a rain day or something because it was raining or something one day. Well, and it had like some ice and stuff, and we just canceled the local match, the USPSA oh, match yesterday. I mean, he didn't say what it was, I guess. He just said it was unsafe, so I was kind of... Yeah, it was just snow, and and then it heated up, and it was super muddy today. So it was awesome. Awesome, yes. So, uh, this sport is built on the back of volunteerism, and without all the volunteers that came out and organized the shed, rebuilt the walls sorted the steel out that's good and that we can use and we did more today than we've done in any other workday we still have to build some walls i think so we're good to go for free state but we got everything organized and everything and it was just that's what the backbone of the sport is about going out helping set up the matches like fix the props no one even shot today i did a little bit after after doing it all but that was just for me personally uh, without that being done, the matches can't go on the ground. So it's it's very important to get out there and help, help your local clubs. If you're available, if you're in town, you actually get to meet quite a few people you don't normally get to shoot with. So you shoot with a squad of 10 normally. Most people kind of group up and clickish group, stuff like that, and they don't really go outside their group. But the work days like this, you have a good opportunity to meet the people that are out there. So it was just good. I liked it that this is what the sport's all about. So it was good. So if yeah, your club's doing work there or oh, sorry, anything like that, uh, get out there, help them. Like you don't have to be specialized in anything. Like if you could pick up something or sweep a sweep a connex or something out, that's all needed. So I think it's good. How did you get the your weed whacker guy at my club? That was you my weren't... job, you turd. <laughs> I was I was the weed whacker guy. It's oh, my weed right. whacker, Joel. Remember that? <laughs> it's mine. I paid for it. Did you? <laughs> no. It's in my garage. I thought I was like, shit. If Joel paid, you might have paid for it. I don't know. No, a training group paid for it. We had to clear the we had to clear the range. Remember that? It was like the first year. Oh yeah. Anyway, the buggy here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, oh, yeah, I'm I'm worthless <laughs> if it's like actual man stuff, but I can handle like a weed whacker. Aces kind of places. Uh, Matt, I've got questions. How did you get your yeah. biggest turnout? Did you have to like threaten people with kicking them out of the club or nope. bribe them with like booze and pizza nope. or something? We did What'd have pizza there for lunch, but that was it. What'd you do though? We just asked people to come out. So, um, I think it's just the culture that we're, we're doing with the local club here. So we get a lot of people to come out and set up different stages. So we have people volunteer and we put two people per bay to set up stages at the matches. Uh, we kind of have a membership fee, so you, you get a discounted rate if you're a member of the club. You have to set up twice in a year to do that. And then when you set up, you shoot for free. So I think it's just the way... It's it's basically the culture of the club and how we're we're kind of running things here. So it's, it's not so one person has to do it. Like, that's not expected at all. Um, we, we share the workload. Uh, I... I've had some people come on the board to help me with the pistol matches and stuff. And and since becoming Area 3, I let them kind of take over the local matches and assist when needed. 
and I'm kind of concentrating on getting area three running and making sure that's good. So, and then we have someone not doing the local matches that just does free state. So we, we share the workload and that's the, that's the best way I've found that people don't get burned out of it because they don't have to come out there every day, every match, every weekend, and basically live on the range to be a volunteer for the club. Doesn't make sense. Well, Dude, can I, I say I something so from, the, from the volunteer yeah, perspective, Matt? Yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of match directors that get, they kind of complain like, hey, nobody get, helps or nobody does anything, but doing it the way you guys do it, like, as far as I'm concerned, like, like I my club has a work day. You know, I go out there and it's like, as far as I'm concerned, like, hey, whatever you want me to do, like, if I can do it, I'll, I'll do it, whatever. I don't, I don't really give a shit what it is. Like, if I can figure out how to screw new walls together or whatever, I'm happy to do it. And it's and it's nice having a day like that where, yeah, people come with that attitude and then the match director can just, like, tell people to do all this random shit. And, you know, once a year is a pretty good time to, like, rebuild the props and organize the shed and all that stuff. I mean, it, that's what you're proposing works really well. And it's not just sort of like complaining at people every monthly match like no yeah you guys need to come out here and help it's like okay you set up a day you set up a time and people just come out and they're, they're happy to help probably under the, those conditions yeah it was awesome there it was it was really good lots of people that don't normally like set up stages or so we have uspsa multi-gun and steel challenge so there'll be people that only shoot multi-gun that come out that i've never even seen and I don't know. I'm like, who's this person? I've never seen them, but they're they're like carrying steel around and moving props around. So it's kind of neat. Uh, well, even well, I guess from that bigger secret, we had a a bit of a situation with a toxic personality at my club that had to go, and it kind of went from one. Well, there's a big difference between kind of one person saying we need more help than kind of what you're saying, Matt. Like having a group. Uh, of people that all are invested, they all have different parts. It's not one person running at all. Like even just in a couple of years, I've said it's way better because people like don't seem to get burned out. Because remember back in the day, it was like there's always one match director, one person has to do it, and everyone kind of has their prison sentence. And it's like Ben, you have it for this year, and Ben's like, oh. And then by the time December goes around, he's like, I can't wait to give it to somebody else. And then it's it's professors or whatever. Whereas like having a bunch of people do it, you're not there that month. It doesn't matter. Somebody else can help out. Like having the jobs divided up has been such a good thing for our club. Um, and then just kind of a team environment, like what you're saying, Matt, where like a bunch of people are helping out. It's not just Matt's club where it's not just Caleb's club. It's like, like, I know your club. You have a bunch of guys there that help out in a really good group. So anyway, just to echo, but I really, I really like that kind of an environment. It's good for everyone. And this might not work everywhere. Uh, so, so True. find out what your, what your local range is doing and then, then ask. And if they won't tell you, like, get the lay of the land and then just show up. To tell you the truth, Matt, what you what uh, like a, an annual work day or whatever that should work a lot of places. It's sh- yeah, the annual work day should, but it should if work. someone's gatekeeping the the props, the setup, the tablet, yeah. anything like that, like good point. Find out what like just like observe, like go out there observe the match. And kind of see where the the openings are that where it could be improved, and go out there and just just inject yourself into it at the next match and do it. I guarantee that person might not like it, 
But when you're helping them, they'll definitely like that. Oh, that's a good point. Because if it's like one person has the, the access to the shed and everyone else like, hey, let me tell you how I have access to this and you don't. And then it comes time to work on the prop. Everybody's like, well, you have access and I don't. So have fun with it. Like that's not a good way to create a team environment anyway. What do I know about such things? It's a good question. <laughs> the world will never know. Should we move on, guys? Ben, I, do you have a topic here to share with us? Well, it's kind of your topic too, Joel. Oh boy. We're gonna talk about. Uh, we got to talk about adaptive rifle. We do. It's coming I've along. Been, I've been sending some emails, by the way. Uh, I think. Well, the guys I was are... on an Instagram live earlier today where oh. some guys were talking about the equipment section. That's good. And they they really agreed with your LPVO or bust uh, attitude. Got to have that. those things. Yeah. Six power or nothing. Yeah. Hold on now. <laughs> now, for anybody that didn't watch live, kind of explain. Oh, what I just said was total sarcasm. No, Ben. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> so I was lost. I didn't know what you guys were talking oh, about. A, I'll have to send it to you, Matt. Well, I'll send it to you guys. Uh, no, Ben and I are working on the carbine book. And Ben, what else do you want to say? I'm sorry. I derailed you. Well, no, not really. It it should be a really good uh, sort of, uh, I don't know. I don't really want to call it a supplement, but kind of a, a primer for, uh, like, if you already shoot USPSA and you want to apply those skills to to uh, kind of some, some rifle training for whatever reason, you know, it's got some good, it's a good starting point for that. It's like, uh, got some good, some good drills. It's adapted for 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 the for the guns obviously and good good uh benchmark times and it sh you should get your bearings with it pretty quickly so uh it's it's going to be simplified a little bit so that it'll work for like a mass market so if you if you've never used a timer or never done never done training at all it should have everything you need in there to to do that stuff yeah but it should be good for like uspsa guys would pick it up and like yep i understand this right away and probably like it so which book for the handgun side does this correlate to then? Well, Practical Shooting Training's the uh, the, the latest iteration, which is kind of, it has live fire stuff, dry fire stuff. It's multi-level drills. Like training, like training groups organized now along those same lines. And uh, what do you think, guys? That's been a, a good way to organize things, I think. Got a lot of good feedback from people. It's a, It's an easy way to give... Give training group members the right set of drills, I think, that apply to them. Well, yeah, and Kim Kim's putting out new drills like every month. He so, is. And then notice also in, in interesting Kim, things. Kim just came out with a new drill, which will be featured on well, training group live by the time keep plugging my own stuff. By the time people listen to this, there'll be a new drill of the month with professor's new drill on it. Yeah. But yes. anyway, and then when Kim drops that, he picks what levels it's appropriate for. And he doesn't just like hammer everyone, go do this drill. It's like, oh, this these these levels of shooter, this would be really beneficial, and this is why. Yeah. Which I like. And then, I guess to talk about the carbine stuff a little bit, Ben, you trained with Matt, X-Ray Alpha Matt, maybe yes. a couple of years ago? Yeah, so I've done first... some teaching with, like, uh, like a military audience, we'll say, with uh, with the rifles as well, and it's been, it's been good. It's, uh, I guess, my approach is Matt's approach. Hmm? Which is interesting because Matt's approach to the rifle stuff, he just mirrored my approach with pistols. And he, he kind of uh, shaped that shaped that approach for the rifle. So it was a really easy transition for me. To when you 
when you went out and traded with Matt, I had a, a a Daniel defense I'd bought like 10 years ago because the internet told me to that wasn't set up properly. I'm not exaggerating. It maybe had like three or 400 rounds through it is probably it in the time I owned it. So then I started shooting that we shoot two gun matches. So I start shooting those matches. And then literally after every single match, I had some takeaway for something I thought I should be able to do, but I couldn't or some piece of gear that I didn't like or I wish I had. So then I just started like constantly making changes and, you know, talking to the people and shooting other people's rifles and coming up with gear, you know, opinions on equipment. So anyway, that's what that was the inside part of that, Matt, was uh, I finished basically the equipment section more or less. Joel actually uh, understands equipment pretty well for for rifles. It's kind of nerdy stuff. And I, well, I just thought that was weird because yeah. you're like scared to take your handguns apart. I got better at that. I'm actually self-sufficient now. I think oh. I was being I was being lazy because I had a person that was willing to clean my guns. So I Jesus. wasn't going to say no to that. Well, why would Jesus I not be? Jesus. I had like four of them. So I just, if they got dirty. I just give them to somebody and he would take care of it. And that was that. Uh, but anyway, so I've got a lot of different opinions on like basically trying all the different gear, uh, you know, barrel lengths, optics types, all that kind of stuff. So um, Ben and I will be proofing it through, you know, a handful of our homeboys. Yes. Matt, Matt and Professor, of course, can look at it. So, no, it's coming. We'll have a lot of different eyes on it. Yeah, and, and we'll we'll. Since be offering... I know so much about rifle shooting, you're what? See, you're a pretty good audience. Well, <laughs> I'm careful how many names I drop. So, well, I will. You've had experts in the field look at it and provide input, right? Yeah, I'm careful about. Well. I have two friends. Well, there's two people I've ran it past that are experts in that field. One guy is Matt, who Matt understands gear setup very well. He's trained with a lot of different types of rifles. He's very knowledgeable about it. Uh, the other one's my friend, Josh. Josh is... He's... All right, so Josh is the other person I'm really interested in. Josh is not a... Not a, a techie gear person at all. But there are specific things that Josh cares about very much. And Josh shoots the rifle at a very high level. So I'm very interested because Matt understands maybe a, I'll say this nicely, Matt understands like a very, a very technical, very complicated level. And Josh isn't, he doesn't really care. Like I'll be like, what triggers your rifle? I'll be like, I don't, I don't really know. He doesn't really care. Like whatever triggers it, I just use that. But this is the stuff he's very critical on. So I'm like, hey, what do you think of this? What would you like? What would you take out? And then like, you know, it's very interesting to get perspectives from you know, high-level guys with different, uh, I don't know, different uh, different talents, I suppose, when it comes to rifles and things that they think is important. I'm trying to say um, all this very carefully. This may be interesting to listeners because I think a lot of the listeners are handgun shooters. Mm -hmm. So for me, uh, I mean, last year I shot two-gun nationals and the year before PCC nationals kind of thing. Uh, for me, I believe... Uh, first of all, handgun takes a lot more effort to get to the high level. And my training almost looks to 80 to 90% of my training is handgun and 10 to 20% is rifle. And only with that amount of training, um, you can get really fast. Of course, you, you need the right material to start with. So you're not really tinkering around too much and wasting time and ammo. But once you have the good uh, source, source of knowledge, what to train, uh, I think rifle 
definitely takes a lot less effort to get to a high level. For sure. Yeah. Well, guys. Yeah, not being yeah. too nerdy and making it easy for everyone to understand and to, uh, you know, like training group mentality. Sorry, Ben, I didn't mean to cut you off, but. No, no, not at all. People to get as, you know, to gain skill as quickly as they possibly can with minimum effort, I suppose is a kind of a cheater way to say it, but the best way to train people effectively. Yep. Well, anyway. guys, a bang up podcast, I think, huh? Aren't they all? Mm -hmm. Good things are coming. I think that's. <laughs> well listeners if you have a question you'd like the answer to go to bensticker.com send me your questions we'd love to hear from you yeah that's it we should kill this thing huh yes please